0: I just finished lighting this
1: candle before I do this.
0: <laughs> Going to open my candle into ah. the, the microphone.
2: You know, uh, Sybil, my uh, my wife got one of those candle hot plates because <laughs> we end up with a lot of extra wax that doesn't end up getting used in the candles we burn. So she's been collecting it. And now we use this hot plate in the kitchen just to like release hmm. the scent into the room. Works very my well. Actually, kind of like that. Yeah, because then it. you don't have to light things on fire.
1: On the other hand, I that do is the like the candle. igniting part.
2: Yeah. Well, you still get the scent and everything. It just takes a lot less time to... It lasts longer, but it also takes a little while to like actually warm up because you're basically melting the entire bit of wax in there. We cannot at once. talk about candles for 10 minutes at the beginning of this podcast because I have stuff to do today.
1: All right, all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to Poku No Stop, an anime podcast that releases on cassette for extra nostalgia points. I'm your host, Sybil Arnett, and with me is. Uh, Chris Taylor.
2: And Matt Marcus. I, I appreciated that joke.
1: <laughs> Thank you. And today we're talking about <laughs> Monster, episodes 45 through 48. Uh, no content warnings for today's batch, actually.
0: Well, unless you don't like guys getting shot repeatedly in non vital places rolling in the floor during a hostage situation, pretty
1: grim. I feel like that's just kind of the common background violence of America, so we don't need to trigger warning that.
0: Sure is. Trigger warning America. Trigger warning, there are triggers being pulled.
1: Yeah. But we start with episode 45, The Monster's After Image. Once again, a lot of suspicious deaths necessitate a press conference and a change of leadership. The new police chief is assigned from outside of Czech, and uh, he comes in and brings a quintet of government investigators. I guess um, the fbi likes. I don't know about what the organization would be for them. So, for obvious reasons, they interview Sook as one of the only people who has survived this whole thing, praising him and telling him, yeah, keep up the good work. But he does, however, lie to his new bosses about his information on the tall man who was a suspect. Like a certain hotshot surgeon who rose through the ranks on the backs of corpses, the chief tells two men, Novak and Zanda, to keep tabs on Suk because he has now become the most suspicious man in this entire case.
0: Suk is just like a less talented Tenma, like in terms of his arc.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he's you know, hasn't gone... He didn't get the chance to harden himself, right? Because he's still very... No, what I like, mean is innocent. at the beginning of his
0: arc, he was less good at his job than Tenma was. Tenma was proficient.
2: Suk is very yeah. bad at oh. being a detective. Oh, the Tenma was a prodigy. He's way more here's, than proficient. Here's what I think. Suk is pretty good at
1: being a detective. There's a reason he keeps cracking these things and making these strides and, you know, uncovering the secret oh, police. You think he
0: was, like, smothered by his boss or whatever and never got a chance to stretch?
1: Oh, I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's also that Tenma had a lot more experience. Like, he was, I want to say, a year or two in and was starting to get these social niceties down. Suk has no social graces, and that's his failing.
2: Can't relate to that. Yeah, he definitely strikes me as a guy who's too earnest and doesn't realize that a lot of earnest, you know, being very forthright is not always to your advantage in work situations.
1: Yeah, Tenma was naive, but he was very quickly disabused of that. Sook is taking a lot more abuse and not learning any lessons.
2: The detective then meets the ex-spy at a cafe and uh, Grimber is... Pretty fearless here, saying uh, if they wanted, they could take me anywhere anytime. And you can tell Sook isn't used to this sort of thing uh, as he is actually being cur- currently trailed by these uh, agents that were mentioned before, and uh, they are reporting on the meeting with Grimmer. The two have a quick chat over the particulars of the case, and then Grimmer asks, "So did you bring the key?" Then Grimmer says, "Would you like to learn the origin of a monster?" And Suk reluctantly says, "Yes. The two get up, and Grimmer has a flash of insight thinking he saw the blonde woman, but he realizes, no, it must have been my imagination. And this seed right here is incredible because it's like like layers being un you know, unveiled here because first you see the agent's leave, and then you see a Second man with glasses, whom we don't know who he's with, but uh, presumably uh, he's with the secret police. Bringing us and monsters then Johan. First is,
0: oh, sorry, he real real excited about glasses man bringing us monsters first, and so far only anime glasses push up. <laughs> it, and it happens twice with
2: this guy. Big fan yeah. of him. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, this like he's he's kind of got a real grim face. This guy, like he's his face is very particular. I, I have a hard try- time describing it.
1: He has weedy diplomat energy.
2: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, like, like,
1: if you gave this man a briefcase, he would be someone that gets shot and die hard.
0: Oh, he, <laughs> huge Doug Stamper vibes is, a if, is I think, what we're gonna get here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: hmm
0: But yeah, the, right the
2: fact that there were three different parties that were <laughs> keeping an eye on this uh, particular interaction was absolutely his... like. I got a good laugh out of that because, of course,
0: just conga lighting it to the bank. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so they head to the bank. Grimmer and Suk are led inside, and they they're allowed to open the box in the back room. There's a real tense moment with the teller up front, where the teller like he goes one second, and then he pulls up you know the phone, and then he like eyes over to Suk, and then like as okay, you're good. And I'm like, Suksman should have been like, that's suspicious as hell. Or at the very least, Grimmer should have been like, that's suspicious as hell. You know,
1: maybe he's calling the security team to go, hey, we're about to take someone back into the vaults.
2: Yeah.
0: Is anyone yeah. in the room? Because the room has a light. Yep. Because <laughs> they clearly don't want anybody like interacting with anybody else with the safe deposit box. Otherwise, they would not be safe. De- they would not be safe. They would just be deposit boxes. Right.
2: Mm hmm. Fair enough, but yeah, it's framed in a way to' like, "Oh, this feels like they're going to get like ratted out or something." Oh, yeah, they are oh, definitely pugging you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Back in the safe deposit box room, they get the box they get put in a separate room to take a look at the contents, and it contains research papers and a cassette tape. So Suk took a tape player with him, so they play the tape, and they can hear an I could say an interview a conversation between one of the um, 501 Kinderheim staff and a very drugged Johan who's being questioned.
0: No, it's the guy.
2: It's the guy who got shot. The guy? Oh, right. I don't know if um, we
0: know that. We're
1: unsure who the interviewer is. It
0: sounds exactly like him. Like, not doing old man voice, it sounds like him. It's Petrov, I think.
1: Yeah, it's very likely (laughs) it's Petrov stuff, but we never have a confirmation. That's all I'm saying.
2: Well, the the thing is, yeah, I guess Petrov had this, so he must have been there for it. Yeah, so he must have been there for some of the condition. Yeah, you know, I I still wonder how much culpability Petrov has in. Oh wait, I just figured out the whole plot situation at the end of this
0: episode. It literally just now occurred to me that the guy who wrote the book is their father.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's what it seems like. <laughs> uh,
1: hmm.
2: possibly, possibly. Yeah, we'll discuss anyway. We'll discuss. Yes. So first he's asked what his name is, and he recites a series of names starting with Johan. But he also says Otto and a whole bunch of names just sort of on repeat. I think there's a Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he said he was reading a book, uh, the picture book, The Monster With No Name, while waiting for Anna. And he, I believe he repeats some of the lies, he like the, the chomping noises. That's what ends the tape. Yeah. yeah, at least what we hear of it. But he mentions he mentions that he is waiting for Anna and uh, that there were so many dead people. It was like we were the only ones left.
0: And then uh, Grimmer says, so, detective, it doesn't matter to the people who want this. If you've heard the whole thing or stopped instantly, your life is in danger now, too. And Suk decides he's going to hold on to the tape and papers, because now that their location is known, nobody is going to stop this short. And Grimmer tells them that they need to leave separately. After all, it's me that they were tailing, right?
2: And, and by separately, they mean, like, like, 30 seconds apart.
0: <laughs> well, look, what are you going to do? No lawyering. The sign says so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the assume we assume right now secret police guy with the glasses is outside the bank watching Grimmer leave and Sook heads out a few minutes after they both head their separate ways and we follow Suk to his apartment where he opens the door gasps and we cut away elsewhere Grimmer is walking and and unsure if Sook is in over his head he decides to turn around and go check on the man. Um, In Sook's apartment, detectives Novak and Zonda have been waiting inside for him. They know about Grimmer, and they've been digging into Sook's life also. His mother's in the hospital. He got a a suspiciously large deposit in his bank account recently, saying, private nurses are quite expensive, aren't they? soup proclaims his innocence tells them to search the whole place as he sits in the living room and eventually they discover a jar of some substance and an opened bag of whiskey bonbons this is why the security state is bad even if you have nothing to hide
1: (laughs) (laughs) because occasionally you have some weird twin murderer sneak into your place and try to frame you yeah you never know (laughs) uh
0: He's going to be taken to the station for questioning along with a jar for testing. He says he's willing but asked to change his shirt. And when he's trying to remove his shirt, he's like shaking so hard he can't even work the buttons. He's like about to have a breakdown. And what snaps him out of it is saying, do I smell gunpowder?
1: So we flip around and Grimber arrives. He is hustling up the stairs until he stops dead in his tracks as a beautiful blonde woman coolly passes him down the stairs. Shoutouts to us respecting Johan's new identity. (laughs) Uh, When he can move again, he double times it and bursts into the apartment. All he sees is Sook standing in shock, surrounded by two cleanly headshot detectives. Uh, Can
2: can I just... Monster needs to stop doing this. Okay? They need to stop saying that there are gunshots that happen that no one hears (laughs) in the next room over. (laughs) This happens like so often and it's like they turn around some people got shot you know how loud fucking guns are they're so loud you would hear it from blocks away
0: here's what i'm gonna tell you matt they have detect johan has a detective movie silencer which means that no one can hear anything not that it's slightly less
2: loud yeah that's so dumb because we also have seen the gun i mean we've also seen the gun in other situations and and there have been scenes with with uh, suppressors on guns, but not on the handguns, as far as I recall. Just ridiculous. Roberto,
1: Roberto had one.
2: Oh, okay. Roberto probably had one. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, this definitely feels like if you're in the next room and you're like, I, I can smell uh, gunpowder, and you turn around and people are shot next to you, like that just is not how any of this works. Let me tell just you, just blame it on
0: ninety percent of detective genre fiction doesn't work if they have realistic silencers
2: i mean sure i guess That's, well, i'm gonna tell you you I have mean, to
0: write it off as genre fiction stuff because uh, i guarantee you it will come up again
2: oh yeah but i, I find it very distracting in this because otherwise this show is very i want to say very grounded because there's ridiculous stuff happening all the time but like
0: yeah r- it, me, this leaps out at of me. rising very unrealistic <laughs> <Really>? It I, <laughs> wouldn't happen here. Czech
1: ultra nationalist that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Right-wing terrorists infiltrating a government?
2: Never. <laughs> <laughs> not in my America.
1: Well, no, in your East Germany.
2: Uh, yeah, of, oh, okay, maybe in East Germany.
1: Yeah, which also let's not look too closely at the state of in modern day. Ah, but that brings us to episode 46 Point of Contact. We are at a newspaper somewhere in Prague. The police are going to hold a press conference about the latest developments in the secret police murder spree case. And as one of the journalists heads out, he looks in the records rooms and sees Kenzo Tenma browsing paperwork since last night. Again. <laughs> Tenma is going around acting as a special correspondent from Japan investigating the fall of the wall. And the local reporter tells him, Uh, you don't seem very good at your job if you're not following the suitcase case, because that might be something you want to look at. Suk is apparently being hunted for killing Novak and Zonda, and his whereabouts are unknown. Meanwhile, Tenma is kind of ignoring the guy as he looks over the case laid out in the paper, and he's just like, Promising young detective, three superiors dead, poisoned with... Johan! (laughs) So, we go to the hospital. Police are stationed around the place very plainly, but they're not looking for Tenma. He's here trying to track Suk down and knows his mother is here. The nurse quietly tells him the room number when he says he isn't a cop, but says, You might be wasting your time. Just realized I missed my chance to make my Wazanda salute joke. I'm just going to okay. let that hang in the air <laughs> like a fart. <laughs>
0: That's
1: that is okay, what that I,
0: inter- I interrupted last recording to say more like Pula Bay.
1: Miss <laughs> uh, yeah. Sook has dementia, and when she enters, she mistakes Tenma for her boy. But she does let slip that she knows about the building he likes to play in on Bruno Street, however. As Tenma leaves we see her recite the monster without a name story to herself uh-huh. which which we find out is because Suk left the tape with her and she's using Johan's recital of it as a sleep aid.
0: Real talk reminding me that dementia exists is the scariest thing that's happened so far.
1: Uh trust me as someone who's got a family member immediately in the thick of it
2: I'm aware. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. Sorry grandma I still love you
2: at the old building, which seems to be an abandoned warehouse. Uh, Suk is in despair. Grimmer has arrived, bringing them food and uh, newspaper. Grimmer has put two and two together about the other guy this happened to, which is Tenma. Uh, now that the candies are in play and recounts the story of Tenma from 10 years prior and just said the guy just went off the map. This causes Suke to have a breakdown because he starts thinking, well, saying, what did I ever do to deserve this? Am I supposed to just fall off the map and go into hiding forever? But Grimmer cheers him up a bit and Suke gets a little nostalgic because this is the building he used to play around in and he used to role play as a cop, you know, based on the cop dramas he used to watch as a kid and he does a little bit of, you know, Oh, pretending to be the police chief, giving out orders. Then he turns around and stares out the window and then bam, uh, very shot surprising. right in the arm. I'm like, Yo. I was like half expecting something to happen to him. But like when it did happen, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then it continues uh, to
0: happen for a while.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's kind of the thing this episode. So Gruber tells him the lie still and takes a look outside carefully and uh he can see and also hear that they are being surrounded by a bunch of men so the the door to the hallway is open and grimmer sees an empty hand reach out and someone say in a very gruff voice tape and like whoever does the voice work on this particular guy like it's it's very good yeah it's a very good read. And it, he says it a lot.
0: <laughs> the slow escalation of irritation in his voice when he says tape is very good. Great voice mm-hmm. work.
2: Yeah, very good direction on yeah,
1: that. This show does not skimp on extras, even extras who are speaking in languages that are never translated.
2: <laughs> Except in mm-hmm. the dub where all the voices
0: are bad. Really? Okay. I think. Well, here's the problem. Right? They don't spend enough money on voice actors to get around the here's our A voice actors for the main character and everyone else sounds like poop.
1: All right. I didn't think most of the extras were particularly bad. They usually use one or two people per episode, but you don't get a lot of doubling up unless there's seven goons. What I mean is, like, the, the
0: one off characters. Uh, who are just in the story for like this episode have much worse voice like voice acting. It's not that the sound quality is bad; they're just not great voice actors. And it's that probably could be because they
1: had to look for people who spoke a certain language rather than native. Right. Harder to direct.
0: And, and you know what? That might be true of the original, but it's in a different language, so I can't tell.
1: <laughs>
0: Possibly.
2: Mm. But anyway. Grimmer runs over to the door, slamming it shut and pushes the desk in front of the door to barricade it. Unfortunately, this leaves Suk on the floor. And what we now learn is a sniper taking more pot shots, hitting his leg and other arm. Grimmer realizes that he's missing vital organs on purpose.
0: Yeah, there's a an uncomfortably long gap between the arm and the leg where they just let him writhe around and scream for a while.
2: It's a yeah, it's very grim. Oh, yeah, it's uh, they're really trying to put on the pressure. And like throughout this scene, you hear the tape guy say tape through the door. I'm so glad that guy so, didn't
0: get shot through the hand. That would have been too, too gnarly for me, probably.
2: <laughs> I yeah. almost expected that to happen, but it, 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 it didn't. <laughs> um, so without being able to see where the sniper is, uh, the two are at the shooter's mercy and shots are fired to keep Grimmer and Sook apart. So Grimmer is pretty much pinned to the a corner of the room. Uh and then he notices that there are footsteps upstairs and then voices. Uh Sook is panicking and the men above are speaking Czech, which none of our heroes speak and the thing is we know in the at least the subs what they're saying and it's really interesting how banal some of the conversation is. One of them's like I haven't had lunch yet. Let's get this over with so I can get some food. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm really like torn about that. Because it shows what kind of guides these people are, but it really it impacts your perception of the scene from Grimmer's perspective. It would yes. almost be better if they mixed it up in the subtitles, mm-hmm. where some of it isn't translated and you catch snatches of the Bonal stuff so you kind of can get what's going on. But as is, it... I'm really torn on the handling of it. Like, I agree that, oh, like, terrible. back the taxi, it would have been strictly better if you didn't know what they were talking about. But here, it does a lot to sell the, the kind of people that are in the organization.
1: So, yeah. the manga, since this is all text-on and image-based, slowly has more of the chatter build around the panels to just convey the sense of claustrophobia and cacophony that builds in the mixing in this scene.
2: Oh, that's and so, so good with the all, the anime, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: And all the balloons just sort of starting to crowd around Grimmer as he's forced back into that corner gives this effect, but you don't need it translated. That's what it's going for.
0: Oh, the Shinji distortion thing they do on Gr- Grimmer is so good.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Because what ends up happening is he starts to have a breakdown. He starts to panic and... Yeah, the scenes are playing on top of each other, the chatter is getting louder and louder, and Grimmer eventually screams, and, and then we uh, cut to the sniper across the street. The directional audio there is super good, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. this is like a full-on meltdown here.
0: Yeah. we um, The sniper across the street is just like a whistling, having a great time. Uh, but he's so focused on the job he's caught off guard by a sudden pistol pointed at the back of his head. Um, He catches Tedma up in his broken German and then makes the mistake of saying his job's done and that the rest of the team have entered the building and Tedma just like pistol whips the guy unconscious and hustles across the street. The building is silent as Tedma carefully advances up the stairs, but he begins moving when he sees a bloodied hand reaching through a doorway Inside, only Grimmer is standing. He looks like a fucking Dragon Age Origins character, just completely yeah! covered in blood. And men are all around him, beaten to a pulp. Um, only one is conscious, and all he could do is mutter, monster, through swollen lips. Tenma recognizes Grimmer, and it takes Grimmer a moment to notice the doctor, because he's just looking at his blood-stained hands and muttering, folks, the magnificent Steiner has done it again, and it is, like, spooky as fuck. It's the Magnificent Steiner,
1: folks. He's done it once again. When he comes to, Grimmer asks if Tenmo will take a look at Suk and patch him up, and, you know, maybe these other guys on the floor, too. Who did this? Uh, If I had to guess, it was probably me. Or the other me, I suppose. The one deep down inside. You see, Doctor, I was one of those special children at 511 Kinderheim. And Grimmer reveals whatever they did at five eleven. All he can remember of his past prior to it is the show, The Magnificent Steiner, that he watched as a youth. Everything else was just wiped away. Hoof. And uh, let's talk about now that we're starting to see some of the five eleven kids, how they all seem to come away broken mentally but with a fixation on some piece of media they ground themselves on pathologically johan's got the book grimmer's got the magnificent steiner
0: well here's the thing grimmer also clearly knows the book because that's the part that freaks him out
2: it's well, maybe possible he...
0: mm. because maybe the he book saw it...
2: the book because johan had it
0: like the book is explicitly about having a lack of identity which is like i think they're basically trying to do spy training there which is why they have a second fearless self that both Johan and Grimmer can slip into which which right which which makes sense to me with the book being about a lack of identity and the magnificent Steiner being about how your other identity is a fearless hero who can do anything.
2: So, yeah, it's hard to say how much of that was intentional, how much of that right. was Well, cuz oh, we only saddled.
0: have two we only have two characters from there.
2: Yeah, we'll right.
1: we'll discuss this more as we start getting deeper in through this next chunk. But yeah, um Something to come back to is just whatever they did seems to have had some unintended side effects, especially with, you know, the Magnificent Steiner or the monster inside. They just wanted to make people they could go, ah, communist super soldiers. And this is is where the experiment
2: got away. I mean, it kind of feels like they're doing... What, like a Manchurian Candidate kind of thing? Like, oh yeah, with a tr- certain trigger, they would just go into kill mode? We should talk about the Manchurian Candidate. That should be one of our bonuses. We can do that. Yeah, I haven't not?
0: seen it. It's good. We should we should do the original one, though, probably. Yes. I, I was going to say the original one.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the better of the two. The new one's not bad. It's just not as timeless.
0: Yeah. It's just different in a way that is less interesting and makes it less good as a follow-up for this. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: so Tenma has listened to him just explain all this while he gave the men first aid Sook's wounds are too grave to take him with them though. One of the shots in the shoulder nicked an artery he's got a tourniquet on to stop the bleeding but that's temporary and it's not going to fix the problem so that night the duo have called in the location of the men and they've all been taken to a local hospital. Tenma is listening to the news where he can't understand most of the check but he's able to pick out the location from context and throughout all of this we haven't been covering it much tenma and grimmer are kind of going back and forth about i don't know why you want to get involved here doc and tenma just finally says i need to know what you were talking about with 511 kinderheim grimmer tells him he doesn't remember much flashes sense memories a moldy bed a crack on the ceiling I didn't start to remember it until they took me away from there. I was taken to this artificial neighborhood, a mother and father who weren't. That little bubble was my whole world. I think they said I was 14? I learned languages. Russian, German, English, French. They trained you to be a spy. Yep. But you know what took me the longest to learn? Smiling. Extremely fucking sad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, This whole, I'm quoting so much of the scene verbatim because it's very good. And Grimmer is an incredible character because a sloppier work would have just thrown out, oh yeah, I was one of them 5'11 boys from the start. We've had bits and pieces, but this is the first time anyone really lays out what that place was. What it did to anyone who did not become the monster. It was horrendous in this incredibly plausible way
0: well yeah the thing too is that this smiling being training is especially depressing because we've been hanging out with grimmer for so long and he's such a happy guy and that just instantly reveals that it's all fake and he's just obsessed with like the pain of his childhood actually and that Mm -hmm. everything about him is basically a front to cope with the world it's very depressing for him to say that
1: i didn't take
0: that that way death, i death thought it was makes just essence yeah it well you don't get that full thing until later when you find out that really it's not like i'm not doing just journalism about children i'm specifically very obsessed with 511 yeah and that's when you could put them all together like just kind of putting that together now when we're talking about it and it's very depressing
2: I mean, the thing that really sells it is that he's smiling in this scene. Like, he is yeah. doing it right now. You know, whereas I- I'm sure there are moments prior where maybe he's smiling and it's more genuine, like when he's playing with the children and whatnot. But in this case, he is definitely putting it on as as training Yeah, in that See, moment.
1: I took this whole bit here to mean the the thing that he could not get right, like the lesson that they had to really work into him over and over is he couldn't do a smile that didn't look for like he looks very natural smiling now he's clearly a jovial guy overall he's pretty pleasant hey you know he's encouraging like tenma is no no you've got to rely on yourself that's who you trust i think it's The thing that never clicked, the thing that was his final lesson because it took so long, was getting him to a point where he looked like a human when he smiled instead of some kind of rictus grin or faking it.
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, because what we've seen so far of any flashback scenes or even in the in Petrov's orphanage, you know, you saw the shot of all the children looking very, you know, either mean or dour or whatnot everybody who's been involved with the orphanage has not been smiling except for Johan way after the fact. So, I mean, I think it really just sells that like whatever conditioning they were doing in five one one is basically like erasing that feeling. That that was like the whole bit, right? Like, no, oh, they didn't have love or that's the yeah. one thing, you know, that, and I'm curious, how many other kids got out of there and got placed in a similar situation as Grimmer? Because so far I assumed every other kid was dead because everybody in the building was dead except for that one guy. And now Grimmer is the first
1: time we find out people were removed from this place. Mm -hmm.
0: It seems like you only died if you were there at the end Mm -hmm. or or as a result of early on when they were still building the program and figuring out how much to torture you or whatever. Yeah, very,
2: very good scene.
1: And Grimmer gets dressed after dropping this bomb. He's going to go to the hospital where Suk is being held, because even if he's a prime suspect in this case, he's determined to give himself up to prove that Sook is innocent and get him out
2: of this. A thing Tenmo relates to a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But that takes us to episode 47, The Door to Nightmares. We start with a cold open, and... We see a mirror of the close of episode 44 where Anna is walking through the neighborhood and people are recognizing her and trying to interact with her. However, this time
0: during this scene, the animation is at a different frame rate than usual, which um, sells the panic that we're about to describe for Anna.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because this time, instead of being friendly and warm to everybody, the woman is silent and clutching her bag in a tense fashion. And then after a second person tries to speak to her, she begins running frantically. And the thing that stops her from running is Dieter emerging from an alleyway calling her Nina. And we see a shot of Nina's face and she is freaked the fuck out because everybody in the neighborhood is acting like they know her, but they know her by a completely different name that she hasn't gone by in a long, long time. (laughs) We pick up then with our duffel-bagged duo, Tenma and Grimmer, outside of Suke's Hospital. And uh, they realize something interesting. Uh, Grimmer says, uh, what's wrong with this picture? And Tenma says, "Uh, you mean that a suspected serial killer being here and not a single policeman in sight?
1: Uh, For some reason... This stretch is where these fan subs go completely to shit more and more often. Uh, they translate part of this conversation as, I'm going in, no, when everything else is like, I'm going in and I'm coming with you.
0: They also refer to him as Inspector Rungay.
1: Yeah, that's in the <laughs> next episode. Once. And 48 <laughs> episodes in, after they've been doing, they just do an LR swap and never go back from what I see.
2: Oh, God. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well there's also a couple points where grimmer is speaking and the subs don't land for a second and i don't know if they missed some dialogue or if the di- or if the. well it it's because you day. have to
0: encode the way subtitles work is that you have to time code them it's a big right. problem when you when you accidentally fuck up with ffmpeg is what that feels like
1: <laughs> this group has been consistent if not you know occasionally there's a distinction but this stretch has them really going to pot, and I looked; it's it's all the same group through. So maybe they lost a translator,
2: yeah, or whoever was setting it up just did a bad job too. Shouts out to some them, of the but... timing is off. I mean, yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't be doing it without him.
1: Well, there was the record of you know the whole Sci-Fi Channel run, which is what the audio is from.
2: Fair enough, but we don't we don't have a copy of that, do we? I Somewhere guess we in- this is on.
0: I can't believe this is on the Sci-Fi channel.
2: Yeah, Matt, your thing is... I meant, I meant the subs. I meant the subs.
1: Oh, no, there were no subs for that, because there was never a home release. That would have just right. been closed captioning, which doesn't usually get captured. Um, yeah. You do
0: have... Uh, if you wanted to, though, you could do... Um, what is it called? Signs and whatever?
1: Right, yeah. There is a track that just does signs and little translations. I
0: Real talk... I wish people would do them both at the same time and just put the signs up top. That's what you get out of most
1: professional subs.
0: I know, but it bothers me that the fan subs are two separate things. Yep. It's because that's dramatically Uh, more complicated as someone that has looked into subtitle file formats.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I used to do that. I understand. Um, The big thing is that fan subs... Especially in the mid-2000s when this was first becoming a thing with torrents and releases and all. Uh, very slapdash, very only the hardcore are doing this. We don't need to explain things. It's mm-hmm. not a ama- I'm very glad we've moved towards something, uh, better over time. And part of that comes from money getting into this and giving reward to people who are actually good at the job. Yeah. I would later find out after this recording that the thing that caused all the weirdness with the subtitles is that until a certain point, they are taken from the official home release on DVD, and once that runs out, that is where the subtitles become all fan sub, and that is where they become very slapdash and have things like room gay, etc. So that was the mystery solved. Now you know what we're discussing.
2: The tension spikes when they go into the hospital and the desk nurse does not recognize Sook's name. Uh, they say, oh, there were six men who were in a fight earlier. And the two say to themselves, oh, that's the number of men who attacked us. Uh, and the uh, the nurse says they were taken away by a big ambulance to someplace else. So this is something we didn't mention because they were in a hotel before. And Tenma was watching the television, seeing the news and saying, Oh, it was in the news, but they didn't understand what they were saying because it was in Czech. Mm-hmm. So it seems like the cover story is that these were just six dudes who got into a fist fight and not, by the way, they're secret police and there was, you know, gun wounds and stuff. Yeah. Uh, did they
0: call them because... bums in the fan subs? Oh, did they? <laughs> I, missed the, I missed the bums. Yeah, there's six bums got in a fight in an abandoned building. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I forget what the manga says. The. Dub went with laborers in a fist fight.
2: Right. Classic parole shit. <laughs> <laughs> but note that six was the number of men that attacked the two of them, which means Suk, the man with gunshot wounds, is unaccounted for. And there was no nobody who came in with a gunshot wound last night. But yeah, so they need to they wonder where Suk could be. Uh the two of them have more of a discussion on the way out. Al- Grimmer tells Tenma what he knows of the items that they have, which is technical terms and a list of names, uh, which is what he saw on the documents, which Grimmer did not read very much of. And also the tape of a drug boy by the name of Johan. At this point, Tenma puts together what in the world they've gotten their hands on, and he is immediately alarmed. But before they can pursue this any further, the diplomat looking fella that we've been mentioning is waiting for them by a cheap car and says perhaps the two of you should come with me and he's very insistent if not rude i didn't think he was rude which probably says a lot about me
1: oh no i'm saying he's <laughs> not rude he's just like you should oh. come with me hey come <laughs> along he he won't give it up
2: and grimmer tries to like get answers out of him and all he says is you should come with me
1: yeah yeah, he's not being a dick about it. He's just like, no, come on, come on, let's do this. Come on. But there's no there's no gun. There's no hired goons. It's just like, maybe you should get in the car. Perhaps you should get in the car. How about we all get in this car? And eventually they relent and
0: get in the car. So Temma and Grimma are taken to an emptied restaurant, which is uh, extreme. I promise we're not the mob vibes. Um, and they're introduced to Carl Ranka. What are the heads of the secret police in the old days? He claims that there have been problems in the chain of command. Wonder what happened there. And that an attempt <laughs> on the men's lives was not what they wanted. Grimmer asks how this could be true if the blonde is going around killing. And Wonka responds that they too don't know who she is and she's a real thorn in their side as well. Ronka has a proposal. He represents a, quote, business associate in Germany, and they had been approaching Petrov on multiple occasions, trying to make a deal for the data. Unfortunately, in the middle of their negotiations, the blonde shows up, guns him down, and sets them back to square one. So, he proposes a trade. Souk, who is, quote, in a hospital we have connections at, is currently safe and being cared for. Ronko will release him in exchange for the data. Tenma thinks on how this is absolutely not something that can happen. But before he can get a word in edgewise, Grimmer vocalizes the same thought. Grimmer, however, has different reasons saying, I was there. I was one of those children.
1: This intrigues Ronki suddenly because he starts quizzing. Hey, when were you in the place? And there's a little bit of back and forth. You know, I I don't remember much. Uh, He traces it to probably 1963, 1964. Runke then pulls out a photo and asks if he knew a child, his nephew. See, his sister married an East German man, and the couple got killed trying to defect, shot dead in the no man's land. I am surprised that Chris did not call this pulling in Albert again. I'm just gonna say, pulling in Albert is flipping a
0: truck. <laughs>
1: there. <laughs> Runke, knowing no better, had just heard praise about 511, cause. He, he's a spy. He's out of country. He's connected to things, but he doesn't have goings-on. So he signed off on sending the boy there as the remaining caretaker. And Grimmer just goes, I could not tell you. I don't remember a lot through the brainwashing. Not even my birth name. So this whole thing has rattled Ronke, and he saves face claiming that they're off-topic and everything's you know too emotional. We'll come back to this discussion. We're here for business. His men are ordered to take the two wherever they want, kind as possible, and he awaits their response on the deal. As they head to the car, a moth on the door handle starters Grimmer, and he pauses. Then he screams Coco and rushes past the goons into the restaurant. My dude loves Ice tea's wife's ass. All of a sudden he's just stammering, and he's like, there's a whole rush of things here. And the thing that kicked this off is when Grimmer was in the infirmary with a fever once, Adolf Reinhardt, this boy, brought him his own cup of cocoa as a treat. And a torrent of memories pour out. He he loved etymology. He wanted to study bugs, but he hated the fact that to keep a collection, you have to kill them. So he would always catch them and release them. And this whole thing, he's mile a minute, everything. And the big line is... We were all forgetting things, even our own names. So our bonds of friendship were—we would urge everyone to remember us, remember our names when we couldn't.
2: And and that's where he drops the—that's where he drops the name too. Finally, like right at the end here.
1: Yeah, it—it comes at the end, but I'm just going to refer to the boy as Adolf rather than talk around it because I'm not transcribing that entire speech. (laughs) Fair enough. Like it's. Maybe a solid 30 to 60 seconds of him just flooding out all these memories. Mm -hmm. And Runke just turns around and simply says, yes, that was my nephew. Oh,
0: oh. as he turns around like really fast, you can catch that he has like glimmers of tears in the corner of his eyes. Fucking incredible. They do a great job Mm -hmm. of characterizing him here. And they also... And they do a great job. Um, Grimmer really does a great job of selling that they are trying to remember who they were as a person rather than who they were. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Because...
1: This, like I said, this whole thing, Grimmer is the perfect foil for Johan and as a window in on 5.11.
2: Yeah. So we cut back to Nina and she's having flashbacks to something from her past. Dieter is puzzled by the whole thing, but she recognizes the apartment their mother lived in, the three frog sign that has been mentioned earlier, and visions of men with wine glasses telling her she could be whatever she wants to be in kind of like a hypnotic fashion.
1: Yeah, th- this whole thing is shot very weirdly, and we're just getting fragments. It's different men The wine glass falling might not be theirs, but one of them is holding one. We will get more context um, later.
2: And there's also, I think there's shots of rose thorns and someone getting cut on them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's also like an an older woman, presumably her mother, in like a trench coat and stuff. Yeah, just little, we, we have, we don't know what's going on, but we see these flashes of images. But. The two of them enter the building because the stairs and the door and everything in this area is calling out to her, even though she is terrified of it across town. Tenma and Grimmer are having breakfast before they can talk much. Ronka and his men arrive intending to close their deal. And it's notable that Ronka again himself showed up mm-hmm. and everyone gets down to brass tacks. Grimmer says he's not allowing them to have the data however he will meet ronka somewhere and play the tape for him which he cannot also take with him yeah right he's not going to take the tape he's going to just play it and he says i think you should hear it you should definitely hear what that boy has to say and learn what happened to your precious nephew in 511 kinderheim owned Mm -hmm. uh before this can go further though tenma goes uh this this fucking sucks an innocent man is going to die, and here we are bickering while the guy on the tape is out there killing people left and right. And Ronka has an excellent reply, which is, uh, I have no idea what this is about. Chill the fuck out, bro. (laughs) He's just so deadpan. Well, so far, like, Tenma hasn't said shit in, like, any of this negotiation situation. It's all been grimmer And Tenma has been holding his cards close to his chest this entire time. Like Grimber doesn't even know what's up. Mm. And Grimber, this whole stretch, just keeps telling Tenma, this doesn't involve you. This doesn't involve you. And Tenma just keeps saying, it does involve me, but doesn't explain why until this moment here, where uh, Tenma is still pushing. But then Ronka says that all he heard was that his German associate wants it for quote-unquote the monster's identity and nothing more hearing that tenma says he'll explain now and finally clues grimmer in on why the hell he is involved in the first place and then we have a flash of them you know cut away where he explains uh the whole show up till this point
1: uh-huh very glad think, that uh, we didn't have to sit through another one again
2: uh Ugh. We've already had that happen a couple of times so far, where they, like, they thankfully will just, like, flash later. Oh, I understand now.
1: Across town, Nina is climbing the steps and having more flashbacks. She recalls her big brother being dragged down them. And so we start flashing back and forth between the two scenes. Branka is laying his own cards out after Tenma finishes and states, Johan might be here to find his origins or maybe just to burn down the last evidence that he existed. He says, I was high up, but I didn't have all the information, even at the time. There was this man, you see. We didn't know where he fit in the chain of command, who he worked for, what organization. He kept calling all the shots, even though his rank on paper was lieutenant. Yet somehow, he worked out of a luxurious estate, that man of the Red Rose Mansion. He was a quiet man, never in uniform. He kept to himself. Loved tea and cake. What was his name? Franz Bonaparte. I don't know if it was his real name, you see. He also had a pen name. What? Yes, he wrote a children's book. The Nameless Monster or some such. And in the apartment, Nina is still with shock. Dieter's just like, there's nothing here. Let's go. But she is just shaking and looking at this empty room going, I was here reading a book, but someone came inside. But I came inside and I was here greeting myself and we cut to her flashback and a scene that we saw prior has a sudden context here where she's looking at herself, holding the book and being told, welcome home.
2: The the animation on that last bit is just creepy as fuck. Like, I don't know if it is any different than the rest of the show or most of the show, but it definitely feels A little off. uh, It's really, really
1: different frame rate, and it's got a filter over it. Just this very hazy. They're really leaning on the sepia and fuzzing it up.
2: It feels extremely like you know, running into the twins in the Shining kind of vibes. Like actually, I've
1: got it open right now. Here's what makes it look so different. Most of the flashbacks are just a sepia filter. This is a sepia filter, and there's this dancing darkness around mm-hmm. the edges of the frame. Yeah.
2: But they they pull that back before the end, right? Like it's there, and then it kind of fades out until, like, the line it's reads. It's still
1: there. It's still movement.
2: Yeah. It's, it's just a clear Very shot. creepy. And I'm going to pretend I'm Chris Taylor for a second and say, no, I'm, don't pretend I'm too you're stupid Chris to figure out the what the this fuck means. Up. <laughs> I'm too <laughs> stupid to understand what this means right now.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. That. Same. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, and accurate impression.
1: <laughs> ah,
0: that takes us into episode forty-eight, the scariest thing, where we open on a woman visiting Mrs. Sook in the hospital. It's quote Anna. Uh, she brings flowers and has done her research. Mrs. Sook is happy to share all her stories with the woman with the kind eyes. After some time passes, Anna says she's here to collect the thing Jan left with you, the tape. Then we cut to Ranka driving the two men to the hospital. They're clearly here to collect the tape, having made a deal with him for Sook. The nurse sends them down the hall, mentioning that the old woman seems in good spirits after the last visitor, a blonde woman. And then they both run to the room It's like, too much running in hospitals in this show. Uh yeah. When they enter, Mrs. Sook is a damn deal more as She was, She says, she was right. You did arrive right on time. Take me to see my son. He's in trouble, right? Take me to his hospital. And from outside of view, Ronka interrupts and says, I'll take her there. And all four of them arrive at Sook's bedside where he's stable, if not amazing. There's a uh, touching scene where the still clear Mrs. Sook chides her son for trying to hide the mess he's in from her. And she recalls that when he fell out of a tree and wrecked his ankle as a child and yet still kept trying to walk it off like he was fine. And she says, Lord, please, as I keep slipping away, never let me forget my son. Never let me forget my yawn as the best boy a mother could have.
2: The the thing that kind of I don't quite get is she says that the woman woke her up like something about what the
0: way she interacted just made her like lucid. Mm-hmm. Was
2: is that a thing that can happen? I mean, I don't have much experience with this. It I mean, just felt a if, little plot convenient.
0: It de- depends on how far in they are.
1: And yeah. it's... Dementia can be the sort of thing where with the right prompting you might be able to get someone in a good state, but it it's degenerative. You don't know.
2: Yeah. It's one of those things where, like, I don't want to necessarily call this plot convenient, um like, clarity, but it kind of it felt that way in the moment. But I'm like, I don't I don't know enough to say for sure whether or not that's just, oh, there, there's some realism to that.
1: Sometimes a different set of stimuli will get someone into a position where their heads working straight again, like if I come over and visit my grandmother, it tends to be something that is you know I'm st- I'm still seeing her maybe once a week or so, but it's not routine enough that her brain has kind of explained it away and it can generally get her into a clear state of mind. But my mother, who is living with her and caring for her does not get that bonus anymore. And so I've been told about the times where she says that her daughter is going to hell and she's going to make sure that everything burns down as she goes. She's not leaving it for anyone. It's like, Oh yeah, I don't get that. Probably because I'm not around much.
2: Yeah. Cause you know, my grandfather had Alzheimer's and I didn't see him too many times when it got real bad, but it was, it was bad. I, I didn't run into any moments of clarity by the time it was really noticeable but, yeah
0: yeah we didn't, unpleasant yeah we didn't talk about it there is a uh, very creepy bit a couple of frames there where they do Johan's mean eye corners on Anna's face not oh, a yeah. fan oh. yeah when she sees the tape oh yeah oh no not yeah. good yeah did not like. you
2: know I <sighs> We Maybe we may cut this later because I I, I want to go back and double check it. But I got a real sense that they tried to make Anna's voice a little different than Nina's, like just very, very slightly. But I don't know if that's just my head adding that in or whether it has or been I was... six months. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, well, I just because you have Nina and Anna in the same in these same episodes. So like, I, I probably want to go back and listen to it again. Like, I don't know if they were trying to cue, like build that into the portrayal, but I know it's very close, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me.
0: Uh, that's probably just because Johan already has like very femme voice. So like, it's just him trying to do Nina as close as possible.
2: I'm not sure. Right. Like, cause like, you know, because this is a, you know, voice acted thing. I wasn't sure if they were using the same voice actress or whether they were having Johan's voice actress try to imitate or whether or not they had the original voice actress for Nina just kind of change it a little bit, just like a little bit. But like I noticed in the scene when she was with the grandmother that it it felt like Anna's voice was a little different than Nina's. Finally, the tape. We resume playing and Ranka starts trying to tap out where they did before. Grimmer says, no, you need to hear this. Hear what your Adolf went through uh, the same way as we did. And Johan's, the th- thing he fears most is finally revealed in this scene, which is, he says, please don't take my memories of Anna away. It's just she and I in the whole world sometimes. There's only the two of us. And then there's an audio hiccup. It actually sounds like the, the tape slowing down for a sec. Yeah. Um, It's actually very well done in the, in the audio. And then Johan's adult voice comes out clearly. Uh, This is as far as I can let you hear. Now I know where I need to go. Dr. Tenma.
0: So fucking mad. (laughs) (laughs) I just, why would you you do that? Extremely trolled.
2: But the thing is, I, I thought that they were going to get no more information than we had previously heard. But so far, we did get a little something. Yeah, we just don't know what it is. second
0: you get that. a little more, I'm like, oh, is that really all you're going to give me, piece of shit? I, I mean, yeah. I hate having information withheld. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry,
2: Chris, you picked the wrong show.
1: I did. I knew that. Well, you get answers to a lot of things. Meanwhile, in West Germany... Everyone is shocked. Inspector Lunge is taking a vacation. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) The entire station is gossiping about it. It's great. Yeah, first vacation he's ever taken. Yeah, I hear he lost his whole family. He didn't know how to take a break, so this is a shock. Where'd he go, anyway? Prague, over in the Czech
2: Republic. I I love how they, like, doesn't even know how to take a vacation. (laughs) This is what I just say. This motherfucker yep yeah that's a very this motherfucker of course he went to Prague,
1: <laughs> but hilariously, it's for entirely innocent reasons at first at first <laughs> so we get a montage of him walking around town and no, somehow it's not.
0: he's trying to get the book he knows is important.
1: Well, here's the thing. he intends it as a vacation. he's going to get the book, get it translated, and that's it. That's all he's doing here. Because he thought it was just going to be a week. This this
0: upcoming line is my favorite line in all four episodes. <laughs>
1: um, I love that following Inspector Lungay around is the most local color we've seen in the entire Prague chapter. There's like mimes, puppeteers. Uh, the loving local detail in the
0: animation of the puppet is so good.
1: Yeah, uh, the
2: guitar playing puppet. Uh huh. Mm-hmm.
1: He he takes a seat at a cafe. And what will you have?
2: Coffee. Wait, no,
1: I'm on vacation. Make it a beer.
0: It's so fucking funny to me. Because <laughs> coffee
2: is for closers.
1: Before he can drink it, he has to ask what kind it is, and
2: we see his fingers tap-tapping the local brew into his mental <laughs> keyboard. <laughs> but then like he stops. Like, <laughs> like, the important thing is that he stops, notices he's doing this, and goes, I don't need to do this, and then stops doing it, which I thought was a nice touch.
0: <laughs> Just, this isn't that good. I don't need to remember
1: the name. <laughs>
2: Ah, and we
1: cut to the new chief of police and prop the the animation in the beer glass
0: as he's drinking it very good very realistic like the head goes down at the right rate like animation of people eating and drinking is like very hard and they do a great job here
1: Mm -hmm. and part of that comes down to if you haven't seen what this manga looked like it's basically storyboards for this whole series. Because he progresses the same way down the page. Hmm. Yeah, it's... uh Urasawa's art is very, very... I don't want to say clinical, because he adds a lot of little touches, the eyes on characters, the way he can make a face distinct, but... He does a lot of these just grounding details that he'll linger on as an artist.
0: Yeah, it's and less that... impressionistic, I think, is what you mean.
1: Yes. That's a good way to put it. Thank you. So we cut to the new chief of police in Prague. He's ripping into the surviving members of the government task force who are just trying to, like, give him a report and get out. We can't release a report like this. We don't even have Souk's whereabouts. But sir, everyone we could talk to is dead. The public will eat us alive if we use the dead as a shield. Now investigate something, Damn it. And as the men leave, uh, there's this uninvited... Ge- oh, no, he shoved his way in. It's Lungay time, baby. I'm so excited about this.
0: Mm-hmm. I love him. It's it's very good to have Inspector Lungay be the person he is all the time. They don't have to deviate from his character to turn him into a comedy character. It's because great. he's very funny in all of this, especially at the end. Yeah. This is a
1: great episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It,
0: Normally, when you have a character like him played for comedy, they have to, like, make some weird alterations, but they do a great job.
1: Yeah, he's got the same tics, he's got the same mannerisms, he just acts like himself, and it turns (laughs) into excellent, wry comedy. I I I see your hand's not
0: on vacation.
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, Yeah. like, yeah, Nepola just, like, (laughs) knows that this is how he is, and, like, he likes him for being who he is, or, like, respects him, you know, it's... I thought that was like usually when people see L- Lunge they're like this fucking guy. <laughs> like this, what's up with this uh, real stoic weirdo? And Lungey like, would be fun to you know, but
0: awful to work with.
1: Yes, yeah. Like, these guys imagine met being Lunge's added... direct report. Ugh. Well, hell, they they all hate him too. I mean, there's the conversation very early on in the show where it's like, you keep burning all these bridges, and I'm not defending you anymore. Uh, So it turns out the pair met at an Interpol conference some years back with Chief Nepola being impressed by a lecture Lungay gave. And he says, you're coming in at just the right time. I am swamped with this whole murder case and the secret police and everything. I don't know any of these men here. Can I just pick your brain? And he starts talking over the case with him. Lungay does, however, stop himself short of going full sicko mode on this saying, I am on vacation. I was actually just going to ask you a favor to translate something for me, but you seem to have your hands full. And he pulls out the copy of the book that he found after searching 13 (laughs) bookstores. I
0: love he goes on vacation the way he approaches work. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I mean, like, man, relatable. (laughs) My favorite thing is every time he's about to launch into some investigation every time before he says I'm on vacation. Like with the friends later, it's the second where someone says, can you do this work thing for me? And he's like, no, I'm on vacation yeah
2: yeah i mean that's the thing that we set up in the beginning he doesn't know how to take a vacation it doesn't come naturally to him so his first instinct is to be in investigator mode and then he has to turn it off
1: look well,
0: i'm not I'm on vacation lie. i just sit in front of a different computer for eight hours a
2: day <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> I I need a vacation. I'm trying to train a second in command so that I can take one for the first time since starting this job, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to drive anywhere, especially in the middle of a pandemic. So a vacation for me is just going to be, maybe I'll play a JRPG or watch some anime for fun. <laughs> my God, entire
0: I've... vacation is, I'm not going to sit in the office chair in front of my laptop, I'm going to sit in the recliner in front of the gaming computer.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I am, I've been traveling a lot as. Oh yeah, <laughs> people have who've been following the network. Tell me know, about like, that. We're mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, gonna fly to like California and shit in February for like two.
1: Weeks. Oh, sick! Well, I'll be here. Yeah.
2: Well, oh. you're
1: gonna be well, in NorCal, aren't you?
2: I. We're gonna be in. You're in gonna
1: LA. be in uh, northern more than I'm gonna drive.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm also I'm going to be there with my mom and it's going to be a whole thing.
1: Uh, Oh, okay. Well, in that case, I won't crash it unless you really need an escape route,
2: (laughs) bro. Uh, It could be fun anyway. (laughs) We'll talk. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, no, I mean, fuck, I was in Las Vegas and there were fucking people everywhere. And only like there was like a solid like 20 percent of people that just wouldn't wear masks at all, at least, if not more.
1: (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm buying a fucking respirator. All right. So, uh, Nepola respects the man too much to turn away a simple request. He says he'll have one of his men give him a translation by the moon. That night, Lungay is full of shit and has begun asking around town about Detective Suk. His colleagues are saying incredibly familiar things. He's a good man, he wouldn't do this. A lot of similarities are starting to line up for the inspector, both between the case that he just heard and now, uh, something else. One of them telling Lunge sook just met a girl, a beautiful blonde. Oh yeah, what was her name? Something something Anna! Anna Liebert, right. At this point, Lunge is much less interested in a vacation. It
0: infuriates me how Lunge has always continues to get more information to be able to infer that. Tenma isn't the guy, and Johan is real, but the information he gets can be interpreted both ways.
2: It's very infuriating. Well, at this point, he has said, uh, you know, when he talked about the poison candy, he's like, oh yeah, Sook is innocent, because I've seen a similar case, and... The correct you know he's is
0: innocent because what? tenma did it is what he thinks <laughs> oh i thought it was because
2: tenma no oh he you're right he the right. guy that's see, I keep so wishing... funny to me <laughs> oh see i i keep thinking that oh no after the last time he he started hearing more about johan from different people that he started well, right. and seeing because the picture thinks... of johan he
0: thinks tenma is Tenma is introducing himself as Johan because he thinks that Johan is te- another personality for Tenma. Well, the,
2: the last time we saw Yeah, uh, he Yung- did see Lunge, the apartment,
1: the photo. He does know there's
2: a Johan. The, and that Johan is a blonde boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And not Japanese. So I think he's on the tip that it's not, like, Tenma's not involved in the first one. I thought this was an admission that, oh yeah, Tenma's innocent, but, you know, in a He's, he's well.
1: definitely taking this under consideration. We'll see. We'll, okay. We're going to come back to
2: this. Yeah, we Just haven't, we haven't. Ice yeah. Cubes.
1: <laughs> uh, the next day, he visits the publishing house that put out Monster Without a Name. The president of the place is happy to help a detective, but he points out this book coming from the 60s is well before he was head of the place. And a lot of records were lost in the meanwhile, what with the whole upheaval and fall of communism and everything like that. The two keep talking as Longe pokes around, though, and the now president does recall that Emil Cherbe wasn't the only pen name the guy used. There was Jakob Virabeck, something Bonaparte, and Klaus
2: Poppy. So I, <laughs> I, I just have to say, I love it when you call me Klaus Papa. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title. Very <laughs> uh, good.
1: Lungay does find a box belonging to that last one. Inside are not unpublished books, but sketches. Some of them in the vein of the Sherbe books art, and some of them being life studies. A pregnant woman
0: with... By in the vein, you mean the exact same monster character, but in a witch hat on a
2: broom. Yeah, it's very much the same design. Exactly the same.
1: Alright, it's probably supposed to convey this was him workshopping things before Correct. doing the book. Co- but and yes. that's,
0: why, that's why I said earlier, I think, is that is, that the, guy, is the guy their dad also?
2: Right, because we start to see other things that he sketched in this book.
1: Uh, yeah. A pregnant woman who radically resembles Anna Liebert. <laughs> like, way twins. more than
0: parents usually do. It's over the yeah. top. <laughs>
1: And twins at various ages, who you can eventually tell are one boy and one girl from the way their faces develop. Oh, the last one of just Anna looking creepy as fuck. Yeah. He calls over to Chief Nepala, who says the translation is done, and asks if he might read him the last paragraph. The chief reads off the, Johan was such a wonderful name, portion of the story. Uh, how long are you planning to stay in town anyway? Maybe we could meet up. Lungay covers the phone for a minute, tells the waitress, cancel his beer, make it a coffee. And he picks it back up and goes, I think this is going to be a long vacation.
0: (laughs) I definitely laughed when he canceled the beer to a coffee. Very good. I
2: love him. You you, you can drink both, my guy.
1: (laughs) Not if you're working.
2: Oh, what's a beer (sighs) going to do? Come on.
1: You don't know. Lungay could be a lightweight. I'm a fucking (laughs) lightweight. I haven't had a drink in years at this point.
2: That's fair. You know what? He probably isn't a guy who drinks very much. No, he's I think single I think fancy IPA. I'm for hours.
1: Yeah, he's <laughs> going to have one piss water beer while he's out investigating with people. And he's going to take three sips off of it. That's him. Anyhow, while
0: saying I am, <laughs> <laughs> I am Tenma. I am Tenma. I ordered this. I curing. have a high
1: powered sniper rifle and an incredibly uh. overpriced craft beer.
2: The spelican is delicious. <laughs> yeah, only, only a sicko would say that.
1: <laughs> I am Tenma. This Boss Coffee is doing it for me. <laughs>
0: I, l- I liked
2: Boss Coffee. Oh Please yeah, it's did. good. Co- it's just like just one mean, of like, those things. Yeah, just like if I'm going to go to the 7-Eleven and I wanted some coffee, the Boss Coffee yep. was a pretty good option. The I tried boss like everyone I saw. Coffee. Yeah, there's some piss
1: weak watery canned coffee. Boss is pretty good.
2: Yeah, yeah, Boss was probably my favorite of the ones I tried. It's the only one I remember the name of. The Rockstar
0: mochas were where it was at. I will oh, not. But that's do an energy Star drink. Coffee. That's different.
2: Nope. What coffee is an energy drink? <laughs> no, but Rockstar like it, that's co- puts Rockstar me to is sleep. like sleep. They, like they add like taurine and shit to it. It's an energy drink with coffee flavoring, <laughs> as opposed uh-huh. to like it's. This is just a coffee drink. Alright,
1: before Chris and I get real sicko mode on this, because we're horrible <laughs> programmer people, uh-huh. we'll be back in two weeks with episodes 49 through 51's, where the absolutely expected happens.
0: <laughs> Me dying of vitamin B poisoning, I was truly a rock star programmer. <laughs>
1: <sighs> uh, see ya. Peace.
0: I didn't get to say that these were the best episodes.